WQHD HD1 New York. This is a special coronavirus edition of Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Good morning, New York City, Tri-State, United States, and everyone joining us around the world via live stream on Hot97.com and our free Hot 97 app. It's Saturday, April 18th, 2020. We're now beginning our second month of the statewide lockdown known as New York Pause. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, and I'm so glad you're joining us for the special two-hour live broadcast from our Hot 97 studios in New York City, the epicenter of the coronavirus, also called the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. This is our continuing coverage of this coronavirus crisis and what its impact has been for our communities. It's already taken thousands of lives in our tri-state area. More than, this is as of last night, more than 12,000 here in New York State, nearly 4,000 in New Jersey, more than 1,000 in Connecticut. And as of last night, there were more than 32,000 case uh, deaths in the United States, and that's just counting the confirmed coronavirus deaths. Many other people are dying, but they're not being counted in this pandemic death toll because their cause of death cannot be confirmed. They were never tested. And we're going to talk about what that what that means for all of us uh, coming up later in the show. There are hundreds of thousands of cases in the United States. At last count, more than 700,000. It's nearly three quarters of a million. We're told by Governor Cuomo that we've reached the apex, the highest point of the pandemic here in New York. But the infection risk is still too high to lift the shutdown and allow businesses and life to reopen and resume. So we have to deal with this at least at least through May 15th. And in fact, last night, uh, the governor issued an executive order that went into effect, mandating that everyone in public must wear a face covering or a mask when they cannot do social distancing. And you absolutely have to have one if you want to get on a bus, you want to get on a train, you want to get on the subway, you want to get on into any any uh, transportation method like Ubers or taxis or dollar vans or anything. Now, as millions are struggling with all sorts of lifestyle changes, I mean, basically everything we do from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep has completely changed. Like having to homeschool their kids while trying to keep food on the table. Small businesses, which employ many people, are being hit super hard. Some people have received their stimulus money if they had direct deposit with the IRS. If you filed your income taxes last year and asked the the government to direct deposit your refund check, uh, you probably already got your stimulus check. Other people are still waiting. If you opted for a paper check, they said yesterday and confirmed this again, the federal government, you may not get it until sometime next month. That's in May. And also, if you haven't heard anything, you don't know what's going on with your payment or your stimulus check, go to irs.gov slash get my payment. That's a good one. Easy to remember, right? All right. And to help with food insecurity, there's been some, there was some good news on this front uh, this week. Mayor de Blasio launched a one hundred and seventy million dollar feed NYC plan, which beefs up the meal hubs, uses paid TLC drivers. So listen to this, because you know that a lot of the drivers aren't making the money they used to make. They're going to give them an hourly wage to deliver meals to the elderly, uh, to the disabled, to everybody who's homebound. They're also using other already set up food distribution methods like those meal hubs. And I want to encourage everybody, um, the, the meal hubs, uh, 
are outside the public schools. They are open from 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. every single day. You can pick up three meals, grab-and-go meals. You can also pick up meals for other members of your family or your neighbors. So it's such a great program that they have, and it's doing really well. There's also free meals programs that, that you heard from uh, with Assemblyman Michael Blake and uh, World Chef Kitchen with Jose Andres, Chef uh, Jose Andres, who's they're feeding thousands and thousands of people every day with Danny Barber in NYCHA and all throughout the Bronx. You can pick up those meals. If you don't want to wait for them to come to your area, you can go right to Beatstro, uh, you know, right in, in the, uh, the Bronx, in the South Bronx, Beatstro on Alexander Avenue, and you can pick up, you can just go and pick up right there. And we saw, we saw a lot of people doing that. So big shout out to everybody at Beatstro and all the hip hop community and the hip hop entrepreneurs that are really stepped up to uh, to help help our people, especially in residents. So if you want to find out where there's a place to get food, I checked this myself uh, last night. So I, I don't like to give out any of these websites or phone numbers unless uh, me or somebody from Team Lisa, like our producer Anaya, or somebody else is checking them and verifying them. Google food help NYC, and you will get a map of where to get free food in New York City. It's really good. You can find out. So the mayor's whole idea was, listen, there's enough stress going on, a lot of terrible things going on, but nobody should have to go hungry. So just Google uh, free food, uh, help, uh, food help NYC. All right. How about coffee help Lisa? That's what we need. Okay. Um, while New Yorkers staying home are making unprecedented and often very challenging changes to their lives, our frontline workers and essential workers are paying with their lives. This is the first time, I think, in history, at least since we've been alive, where people like our EMS paramedics, MTA workers, teachers, nurses, doctors, building maintenance and cleaning staff, and the others we don't hear about, like drivers and store clerks and cashiers, they go to work every shift, every day, day after day, sometimes with only a couple of hours sleep, turn around and go right back, knowing that they could catch a deadly virus and die. Think about that. You know, many and and many already have and, and our condolences and thoughts and prayers are with their family. Now, we already know, like police and firefighters, they know that when they walk out the door in the morning or afternoon, whenever their shift is, there's always a chance that in the process of saving somebody's life or, or stopping a crime, something may happen and they may not return. Now that now that same harsh reality is on the minds of our frontline and essential workers. So our thoughts are with them. And with this overall picture, there's some good news. The number of deaths is slowing down. Not slow enough for me because the number's about uh, still 24 an hour here in New York State. But the number of patients on ventilators, that's slowing down. But we're by no means out of the woods yet. We are still in that dark tunnel not knowing what's on the other side. So we're keeping you company here on Hot 97 24-7 under the leadership of our amazing programming department, our senior VP, uh, Pio Ferro, music and programming diva, I would have to say, not in a good sense, you know, the dope chick, T.T. Torres, and everyone else in programming that's been helping us get the whole, uh, you know, whole show on the air, getting everything up and running. And just keeping it going, you know, and keeping the music coming to distract you and putting us on the air so we can inform you. Over the next two hours, we're going to do something a little different today, okay? And even Drewski, I got to shout you out because you come in two hours early before your show to come help us get Street Soldiers on the air. So so thank you, Drewski, for that. So we're going to do it a little differently this morning, Drewski. We're going to talk about the most important things that are happening, get the serious business, deal with that. And then I'm going to leave you at the end of the show with some laughs from a very popular comedian 
um, named Rick, Rip Michaels. And I know you could use that. I know I could definitely use some laughs, too, especially when I heard we're going to have to stay on lockdown for another month. Um, plus, we're going to be taking your calls starting right now throughout the show on 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And let's get right into it. Joining me, and plus, you never know who's going to call in, too. Um, joining me is Dr. Manny, a.k.a. Dr. Emmanuel Fambu. He's a medical doctor with an MBA, a surgeon, best-selling author of the book, The Future of Healthcare, and other books, a public health and medical futurist. Dr. Manny, thank you for being with us throughout this whole crisis and, uh, you know, giving us your time and your expertise and the picture from a medical professional. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. So the mayor says the city's going to be getting 50,000 new COVID-19 tests every week. Starting Monday, we heard from the governor that we still don't know how the cases numbers keep going up because more people are getting tested. We hear from the federal government now there's enough tests, but it's up to the states to do this. How important are these tests to getting us back to, you know, back to the new normal? Very, very important. Um, so recently, uh, even this week, um, you, you know, the, the president released uh, this federal guidelines on how we could reopen uh, as a country, right? And these guidelines will apply state by state. But the only way we can actually um, get a better hold of this is through testing. So basically, imagine in the ideal world where today everyone could be tested. We could literally say, you know, you are positive, so you move to the left, and you are you're negative, you move to the right, right? So then we make sure all those people that are infected get better. We don't have to worry about it going forward. The issue today is we don't have enough testing. And so we mentioned before that there are two kinds of testing, right? It's a test that is available today uh, when you go to the hospital that looks for the antigen, which means it's looking for the virus itself. Right? Do you in your in your blood? Correct. Do you have do you have that virus? Right? Have you been exposed to that virus? Um, so that's what happens. But right now there are other tests in the market, but nothing that's FDA approved yet. But I know uh, there's a lot of work being put around that to have antibody testing, which will actually show people that have been exposed in the past that might have recovered. Right. If you look at the numbers in New York, uh, they actually jump significantly. Right. Um, the number recovered. Yeah, recovered. Right. They jump uh, significantly uh, in general. And the number of people that actually have been affected in the past that recovered that have no idea they're actually exposed to this. Remember, this virus has been around uh, since uh, 2019. Like, right. But we didn't get the first cases here until January. So there are many people that got sick probably in December, January that actually were infected with COVID-19 and they were never tested. And we don't know what happened to those people. All right. So the, and then also, I, I think there was that saliva test. That, that got approved on an emergency approval out of Rutgers in New Jersey to help that. But but the other thing I haven't heard about the testing is I would think that we have a better idea right now, correct, of, of the vulnerable, who are the vulnerable populations. Is the elderly, the people with certain diseases, certain communities. Shouldn't there be some kind of movement? And, and the mayor is you know, trying to put these testing centers there, but shouldn't there be some kind of prioritization of who gets tests? Like, shouldn't our nurses and doctors and our paramedics, the people that are actually the, our nursing home, our nursing home staff, people that are right with people that they already know are sick, shouldn't they be the first ones to get tested? Police, firefighters. Correct. They should be the first ones that get tested because they're at higher risk of exposure. Right. right? Um, and, and so even the, the current guidelines say they should get tested. Right. If you get exposed to someone um, that is high risk or if you found out that you were next to someone that has been infected, uh, then that things be put in place for you to get tested. Actually, interestingly, there's this new thing about contact tracing. Uh, right. So if you look yeah, what does that mean? We've been hearing that term contact tracing. Correct. So it's very interesting and it's very similar to what had been in place when we had TB, for example, right. uh, where if you were on a flight and someone had 
tuberculosis, then everyone that had been exposed to that person gets notified, right? Same thing with HIV, for example. If you test positive for HIV, then they say, hey, have you hooked up with anyone, right? And then you go ahead and get those kind of uh, data sets from those people. So what... what like, like some people do when they go with their, with their uh, boyfriend or girlfriend's phone. <laughs> There's a contact tracing right there. Contact tracing, me- exactly. Test message. Kind of that idea, right? Correct. So it's been around for some time uh, not- now. <laughs> <laughs> now you can actually get paid for it because it's actually a lot of people being hired for that so, position. So, so every case, so that's how they knew with that first case that was in New Rochelle. That's how they knew, like, he'd had contact with 50 people because you're like, he was at this party, he was at this... Uh, you know, religious event service. He was at this. He was he was here. He lived there. He worked here. That kind of thing. Correct. And, and even recently, I think about two weeks ago, there was um, a gentleman uh, from New York that flew from New York to um, Florida, and uh, he had he was positive for coronavirus, and he knew he was sick, but he wanted to go to Florida, but he didn't tell anyone. So he actually got on a plane and flew all the way down to Florida. They notified the airline that he was actually positive, right? And the entire flight had to get quarantined. Uh, because of him. Oh, so, wow. So he's actually been banned from actually flying <laughs> on this particular airline, right? So, and there's another case from a scientist as well from, from, uh, from Boston that flew to China because she tested positive, uh, early on, uh, in February and she was concerned about, um, was the U.S. Uh, equipped enough to manage her disease and she heard people in China were recovering. Uh, she's, she's, she's Chinese, uh, so she actually flew back to China. And she took um, anti-fever medications, right, to lower her temperature down so she could actually make it. So she flew all the way down to China, got there, and then declared that she was positive uh, for this. Now she's facing jail time in China, right? So so there are many cases of people exposing other people, right? So imagine traveling uh, from here to China, you had layover flights. How many people you got ex- that you exposed this to? Wow, so and just walking through the airport. Correct. And hanging out because you got to be there for so so early in advance for the the flights, and then you're there, you're there all that time. Correct. And interestingly, this week, um, Emirates Airlines was the very first airline that started uh, testing people at the airport. So there was a flight from um, uh, from Abu Dhabi um, uh, heading down to Tunisia, and all all the uh, the passengers that flew on that flight were tested at the airport uh, using a rapid ten minute test to see if they were positive or not to get on the plane before they fly. This is a good opening. So there is a rapid 10-minute test. It's like a pregnancy test, like a home pregnancy test. Correct. We know about the Abbott test, for example, that right. takes uh, 10, 15 minutes, right? But right. the problem is these machines can do only one test at a time. So imagine going through an airport and you have these machines that do one test at a time and you have thousands of people, you never go anywhere, right? So it's not really efficient yet. So we need to um, get ourselves to that point. But this is a very uh, this, this is an opening onto what the world will look like, the new world, right? What is the new normal? The new normal will be how do you go back, um, you know, to nightclubs? You want to go back to concerts, right? Well, yeah, that's juicy. Definitely wants every every DJ, every entertainer, all the artists. And how do you do that? I mean, are, are people going to be like popping bottles with masks on? What is it? What is it going to be? Th- that, that's very interesting. So, so I'm serious. Correct. So, so it's a very interesting uh, world we're going to go in, right? So in clubs going forward, I mean, I, I predict this. You, you either have everyone that has never been exposed through a test that says, "Hey, we've never been exposed. We're all negative," or you have people that have been positive that recovered, <laughs> right? Or you can have both. So it so it's going to go from you have to have your ID so that they know you're 21. You got to get you got they have to make sure you don't have a gun or anything any weapon on you and then you're going to have to make sure you have coronavirus I mean, I'm not it, trying to make a joke about it, but no, I'm but just saying it's like this no, is the, actually, this is the reality. No, this is actually federal guidelines that are suggesting this, right? So you see, it sounds funny to talk about this, right? But it's well, actually... Well, in the practicality, I mean, I'm just saying. Correct. I've actually looked at reports um, uh, that are publicly available for McKinsey, actually looking at things of how the world will, will get back together. These are the, the consulting So what are, they, what are they saying? Because you talk with all these policy makers. So give us a little bit of this insight of what you guys are all talking about in Correct. these meetings at these high levels. Correct. So there's actually a great paper that was in the Financial Times um, this week by... 
Yuval Harari. Yeah, he wrote a book called Sapiens. It's a great book. Um, and in this book, he talks about before we had this uh, um, outside the skin surveillance kind of, right? So if you wanted to find out if someone likes hip hop, you see what they listen to Hot 97, of course, right? Um, right? And if you like jazz, you listen to a jazz station or whatever you listen to. And uh, if you have political beliefs, whether you're watching uh, CNN or Fox or NBC, whatever, you could pick your, your difference. You could right. identify people by their preferences. But we are going into a world of under the skin surveillance, right? Where now... That the, sounds scary. Right, because the government has a legitimate reason to check your body temperature, right? They have a reason to check your antibodies to make sure if you're safe, <laughs> right? That's exactly what we're talking about here, right? So the privacy issues here are actually very big. And so it's very important, you know, for the audience and listeners to actually think about this um, as this happens. If you remember what happened in 9-11, Security going to airports. What happened? We had to stand in lines now, right? We had to take off take our, our shoes, shoes off. Take our shoes off. I hate that. That was, two, yeah, that was 2001. In 2020, right. those things never changed, right? Now you have they clear, never go back. You have clear and then TSA pre-clearance lines, right? And so the same kind of thing is going to happen here, where there's a perfect excuse, uh, you know, to track everyone's body temperature, track where you go. Now we're talking about contact tracing. You have Google and Apple getting involved in contact tracing, which means that if you've been exposed, they could look at your phone location and actually see where you went. So they're not asking you directly. They know exactly where you went. Like a bad ex. Correct. Really exactly. Like, this is stalking on a different level, this is right? Like stalking. Yeah, correct. So, so these issues that we had a few that, of those. Correct. Well. That are very important that we should actually consider, right? So, as we go about, as you get these apps on your phone today, that you say, this yes. is crazy. Yeah. So, this is the reality of the world that we are going in, in, into. You seem like very concerned about that. I think it's, um, I honestly, I'm, I'm a pro data kind of person, right? And I, and I think, um, that we could use data to actually improve healthcare and, and make sure everyone is safe. Do I think that if someone has TB, we should notify people? Of course we should, right? Absolutely. Correct. That's you important, have to. right? Correct. And it, it, especially if early, you know, it, it, what they think is a cold is actually coronavirus or something more serious. It's if you know early on, you can deal with it. Correct. You know? If you have anything that uh, puts some other person's life at risk or in danger, yes, of course, everyone should be notified. But with that being said, we should be very careful how we thread this very thin line. All right, but let, let me come back to what the the, the whole governor, because Drewski, I know people, a lot of people are talking about this too. Is this whole this whole mask situation? Okay, the governor the governor said when he first announced this, if you're you can be outside if you're not if you're around people where you can socially distance, which from a practical point of view is nowhere in New York City is almost nowhere unless it's like very very early in the morning or whatever. If you're around people where you can, where you cannot socially distance, you have to wear you have to wear the mask, and but you absolutely must wear wear the mask on the trains, on the buses, um, and then when you, you know when you get into when you get into an uh, Uber or whatever like that. Do you think this is going to help us get closer, faster to reopening? Yes, it, it will, and, and what we, it will get us faster, closer to reopening, right? And then just just this week. Um, uh, the federal government allowing three different phases of reopening, and I'll go through those phases uh, quite briefly. Right? Okay. So the phase one will be um, restaurants, uh, movie theaters, sports venues, places of worship, and gyms can reopen if they observe strict social distancing. So imagine this, right? So you'll be in church and everyone will be sitting apart. So if you think about it from an nightclub perspective, they've already reason. did. They were already doing that right before before these uh, the total sh in Harlem the first weekend. That some of the churches they had a lot of them were closed, but some of them they had. 
everybody was sitting six feet apart. Correct. So imagine restaurants now, right? Where tables are all spaced apart, right? And how, how would the restaurant survive in such environments, right? Where the idea is to put oh, in yeah, you know, people to, to sell, unless you increase the price of food, right? To right. make up for that difference, right? So that, that's what's going to happen. And if, so, so nightclubs and bars completely closed in the first phase, right? Because clearly you can't be in there dancing with people from a distance, right? It'll be a very strange. Right when we need it the most. <laughs> Correct. It'd be a virtual dancing, right? I mean, that's exactly, exactly what, what we're getting into, right? So things like elective surgeries can resume. Um, when appropriate on an outpatient basis and schools are covering close will remain closed right in that first phase but this is so this is one phase of it but in addition to this very uh, proactive testing measures have to be in place as well uh, right so the more testing we do the better we get to those phases and shouldn't shouldn't we because you have you have a you're a scientist and a medical expert shouldn't they i don't feel like there's any plan of like who gets priority with this testing? I feel like it's like, all right, whatever we get, let's let's get it done, which is good. You know, you want it out there as fast as possible. But I just don't feel confident that there's like a master plan for that. In general, I mean, this applies to every uh, disease, right? Uh, and if you have an annual physical, even before this, you don't get tested for everything, right? If you see a doctor for annual test they don't do mri cat scans and every single thing right so right. you do like your, your, your blood pressure blood sugars like basic stuff if they find additional things then they do additional testing right because from a from a cost perspective it's not very practical to do that right, right now right in general so the best way to do it will be are you positive if you're positive and are you, do you have active disease or have you recovered and the only way to do that is by looking at antibody testing right to do that to so say hey you've been infected you recovered now you're safe you could go back to work you could go back to normal then you have never been infected. So if you've never been infected, then you are in this zone of uh, you need to get infected or not, right? So the, the kind of mindset here where we think um, a lot of scientists believe we'll get back to normal is through this idea of herd immunity. Um, if you ever had chicken pox as a child, I know today kids have uh, vaccines for chicken pox, right? But growing up, we didn't have chicken pox vaccines, so, right. right? So when one person had chicken pox in school, everyone had chicken pox, <laughs> right? And then everyone recovers <laughs> from it, and then you're fine going forward. That's the kind of, of, of mentality that I think uh, that's the best way we think we could solve this, right? When we get to a point where everyone is positive plus antibodies. Oh, wow. All right. We're gonna, I'm gonna open up the phone lines. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Street soldiers are continuing coverage, coronavirus crisis. Give us a call. We'll be right back. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Uh, we're with you here on Hot 97, 24-7. You know, hashtag no days off. The whole programming department pulling together, TT. Uh, P.O. Drewski came in two hours early here today, which I really appreciate to help me and, uh, you know, help ease the stress of, uh, you know, getting people when people aren't available or people have already worked too much or whatever. So we're, we're here for you and, uh, we're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. I have Dr. Manny with us in studio. He's a physician and also the best selling, a uh, best selling author. And he's also a medical futurist, which is kind of what we need right now to kind of like see the future and see what's going on with that. So, uh, Dr. Manny, you ready for some calls here? Ready. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Carrie right now. Carrie, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Lisa. Um, the reason why I was calling you was because the topic you guys are talking with Dr. Manny is very interesting. But what I wanted to ask is, you know, I see the news covering a lot of different stories. But what I do notice is that we're not hearing from, like, New York Presbyterian Hospital or Monterey, like, the CEOs or the president of these hospitals, which is, like, really big in New York. 
have other small hospitals, yes, but those are like the top, especially Cornell, being in um, the heart of um, Manhattan. Like, I, I'm just surprised that we haven't heard anything from. I think the there's been. I, yeah, Carrie, I understand what you, I understand what you're saying. I, th- I think there's a. Um, I think many of the many of the hospitals have many of the hospital leaders and the directors have been speaking out, but it's like they're this is they're in, in basic like just trying to to keep everything going and, and keep their staff in PPE and that you know protective equipment and and keep it going like keep it going like that. But um, I think the ones we need to be hearing about is frankly is more local elected officials. They're getting paid even though this is the shutdown. And why aren't they fighting for their neighborhoods? Everybody listening to this right now in New York City, you have a city, local city council member, you have a New York State Assembly person, you have a New York State Senator. And if any of the staffs, I know you listen to Hot 97, or or the or the elected officials themselves, if you're doing something in your community, we want to know about it. Hit us up, Street Soldiers at Hot 97.com, and we'll put you on the air. We had uh, somebody with Michael Blake on talking about the food program that he got started with real early, right before this whole thing started. Um, with Danny Barber and with the NYCHA, for NYCHA residents and other residents in the Bronx. And we're happy to put the word out and let people know. But you, this is when we really need you to be fighting for your neighborhoods and your communities that are the most, uh, you know, the most hard hit. Let's go to, um, is it Key or Kev? Key. Hey, Key, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. I really have a question for the doctor. As he was saying before, like some chicken pops. So once we get the corona, if we do happen to get it, hopefully we don't, um, do we get, would we be able to get it again? Or is it like the chicken pops, like once you get it, you won't be able to, you won't get it again? Oh, excellent, excellent question. Thank you very much, Key. Appreciate that. Correct. So first off, uh, quick clarification. I'm not referring to the fact that uh, coronavirus is like chicken pox. I'm talking about the idea of herd immunity. It's similar to chicken pox to explain it, right? It's completely different viruses um, uh, on its own. Herd immunity means that once you get infected and you have antibodies, then you can fight it, right? As a group, as a herd. That, that's what that means. So I'm not comparing both viruses, but it's the concept of how your body fights uh, fights it. It's a med- It's a term you use in medicine. Correct. It's a medical term. Yeah, we're just ba- I'm give- using that example to explain how, how it works, right? Uh, and remember, so one is this virus is so new that we don't have enough information um, um, to know what exactly happened. We did know that um, in a recent study out of South Korea, uh, 2.1% of patients that have been sick uh, with COVID-19 actually got reinfected again, right? And so there are different theories about it. Oh, that's depressing. It. Yeah, so, which is still a small number, right? 2.1. So that means about 98% of people won't never get it again. Won't get it again, of course, and there are multiple reasons. It could be, uh, it's like chicken pox and shingles. I don't want to keep comparing both, but it's like the idea because people are familiar with chicken pox. That's why I'm using that example. Uh, people could relate to it. We don't know. Uh, two, it could be that, um, you know, you got infected and then your immune system dropped for whatever reason and then you got some kind of reinfection. Um, kind of, it doesn't mean it's a new infection. So we don't know that, right? So that's, so with time, we could tell. Remember this, uh, first cases here were in January. We started doing research in January, so February. It's super new. Super new, correct. But, but that's the overall idea and that's the idea behind testing, right? That people that got sick, got recovered, could get back in, uh, in the community. So we don't know, but that's the hope. All right, let's take another call. Let's go to Paul right now. Uh, Paul, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Paul hi. here. Um, I just have a question because um, I'm just so concerned and worried at the same time. And you're a doctor and everything. Uh, when do you think that uh, it's 
it might be normal for uh, the country to open up into where persons are starting to go back to work. Um, because I work in the hospitality industry in, in New York, and that's uh, closed. So uh, I'm just concerned. So that's my question pretty much. Yeah. All right. That's a question I think we all want to keep asking. Thank you very much for the, thank you very much for the call, Paul. What about what he's saying? So, um, so I, I, I assume and you I assume you live in New York or New Jersey area or Connecticut, um, right? And so every single city or state will reopen in completely different manners, right? So we know, like uh, just yesterday, some of the, be- the beaches down in Florida are opening back up, right? The Jacksonville Beach, right? And they said people went to went to the beach and people were not social distancing. Co- correct. Yes. Yeah, so people are going back to the beach in some parts of the country, <laughs> right? And, and so. So that's that's another point of discussion, right? So one is the political side of it, and then two is a re- being realistic about when we'll get back uh, to normal, right? So think about it. If you have one person that is carrying this virus, and you go back into a, um, a nightclub or you go into a restaurant and you you know you're dancing or you partying or you're on the beach, and you get another person infected, what happens? That person could spread it back up. We could be back to exactly where we are today, right? So the only way, in a realistic manner, without a vaccine that, that could say you could prevent a disease, without a vaccine. Uh, it's unrealistic that we'll have people that are positive for the virus tank, hanging out with people that are that are negative. It just doesn't make sense without a vaccine being in place. So the long-term goal will be let's hope for a vaccine soon. <laughs> At that point, we, we might realistically get back to a normal world. Until well, then, we'll go through these phases. These, of, these like different phases, and then if they don't work, they'll shut it back down. down. Yes, correct. So we had those three different phases where one phase, you know, bars are closed and then uh, only essential workers go into work. And they have a second phase where maybe schools open with social distancing and they get to a third phase where you might have, you know, uh, nightclubs uh, open up. But the social distancing thing will always stay. And guess what? If you have a little spike in readmissions rates at the hospital again, we'll go back to phase one again and keep doing this over again. So it's, it's kind of a traumatic way to actually live, right? Because it's uncertain, very uncertain. Exactly. 1-800-223-9797. 1-800-223-9797. Street soldiers here. Let's go to John right now. John, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I wasn't saying, because he, he said about this dude, the Jewish guy that had flew to the airport that knew that he had COVID. Um, what about the workers that he was around? You know, it would make it a lot easier for it to be contained if they just shut down the airports and just let um, the people who don't know that they have it stay exactly where they're at some people are still flying and don't know that they have it or know that they have it but still want to go to like their destination to go see other people john are you are you airport i'm sorry are you an airport worker yes i am you are so you guys are close to people depending on what your job is you're close to people you touch the even your baggage handler you're touching everybody's suitcases right you're you're, yeah you got to get a baggage handler tsa worker ticket agents um and the tsa workers they have to pat people down as well Right. What about that? Correct. So this question just goes back to the original part that we discussed earlier, right? So to protect these people. So the the, the example of the guy, uh, of a gentleman I talked about that flew from New York to Florida, right? That was positive, but didn't tell anyone until he arrived at his location, (laughs) right? There are many people that are probably doing that, but not telling anyone. Right. (laughs) Right. So at least he told people. So because of that mindset and people doing things like this, we have to put in these kind of rules in place to say, hey, we need to test everyone before you get on a plane, right? So, so you see the exact concept here. Imagine going to a football game or going to the airport or going to a concert and everyone literally has to show up and show, show a test, that I did a test. But here's the thing. If you don't have antibodies um, to this particular virus, right, which means you've been infected and recovered, 
a negative test doesn't mean anything, right? Because you could take a test this morning and you were negative, and then on your way you got infected by touching some kind of environment or put your hand on the surface, or you got infected, or someone coughed, or you got infected. So then the test becomes irrelevant. So the antibody test is very important to show that, hey, I was exposed and recovered. Then you're allowed to go party, right? And so, you know, uh, DJ Drusky could get back to normal, right? <laughs> and start doing his Listen, party thing. Yeah. you know, shout out to everyone doing the Instagram live DJ sets and the parties, but it's not the same as being in person, you know? It is, but it shows about how fast uh, humans can adapt to things. That's right? true. It, That's it's, true. It's been incredible to show, you know, how we can leverage other technology platforms around and actually have fun with them, right? Right. Especially, especially uh, with the, with the music and everything like that. Um, in 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 terms of the in in terms of the this gating, Dr. Fauci was talking about gating as a concept for reopening. What does that mean? This whole, so it comes back to this idea of testing piece, right? So you have a gate and you have to literally show your results to get in. This, this, this thing has been happening for periods of time. If you have kids in school or you went to school, that's what happened. You have to show your, your vaccine. Right, the kid, <laughs> right. right. I've been vaccinated and I've done this and this, which comes into a completely different angle about vaccination and whatever conspiracy theories are out there about vaccination. Today, we actually realize the importance of vaccination, how vaccines stop things like, like polio, for example, right? These things used to exist and they got eradicated. So we've been through this as... Um, as humanity before, and we go through it again, right? We have very good science um, around now. There are lots of clinical trials going on. Uh, one of the callers earlier talked about Cornell. I'm a Cornell alumni, so I need to defend Cornell. Okay. <laughs> to some point, right? I, I do know that there's a lot of research uh, taking place in the Cornell University Labs. Well, they did speak. One of the, one of their uh, epidemiologists uh, came on the show, show, too, Dr. Golightly. Yeah. Correct. Dr. Exactly. Lenny Golightly. Yeah, correct. So and I've heard them speaking publicly. That's why I said, but it's like not everybody's watching everything. You correct. Know? The different channels, and there's a lot of uh, media outlets today, right? And so depending on which one you're watching. So... Um, if all the speakers um, or listeners listen to uh, Lisa Evers and Street Soldiers, uh, you get to listen to Cornell people speak. Exactly. There, there, there you go. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Dr. Manny, do you think we're going to look back at this period and go, okay, there's a lot of things that could have been done very differently? Because the other, the other big issue that, that came out this week was this idea, which we're going to get more out, uh, we're going to find out more, um, at the top of the hour from Oren Barzilay, the head of the paramedics union here in New York, this idea of uh, uncounted cases of deaths that have happened, like almost, more than 3,000, nearly 4,000, that they presumed, they were presumed to be a coronavirus deaths, but they didn't really know, so they weren't counted, and now they're counted. What kind of faith do you have in the, you're a data guy, like you say, what, what kind of faith do you have in the counting situation? Well, I think overall there are many things that we could have done different, um, right? One, we should have uh, better access to healthcare to every single person, whether um, you, know, you know you live in the Bronx or live in Manhattan or Upper East Side or wherever you are, you should have good access to healthcare. Right. Two is we should all be very proactive about our individual health, right? Being healthy instead of you know things like diabetes, um, heart failure, right, COPD, asthma, all these conditions that we took for granted. If we manage those things effectively, then we're in better shape to actually fight this, this, uh, these conditions. With that being said, we should have been more proactive about this, um, you know, from, from January. If you look at things, uh, even, even uh, in 2015, I saw videos even of, of President, former President Barack Obama talking about the idea of we should prepare ourselves, you know, in terms of you have these pandemics you could fight. People like Bill Gates were talking about this previously, right, to educate people about this, this, this thing could possibly happen. Right, we know exposures of things like Ebola virus, for example. Right, remember Ebola virus? Right, we, we had some physicians even in New York City, and what happened? It was big panic around that. So we know these things existed, and that we could do things to prevent. 
we're not that proactive about it, right? Because right, our way is to always, always react. But um, I want to bring somebody else into this discussion, a very special person, the New York City New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer. And uh, Scott has been fighting the fight on a lot of different areas, Dr. Manny. He has been... He really called NYCHA to task when they were just, they had thousands of backlog repairs and said things were done and they weren't done. A lot of other, uh, he looks at the facts, he looks at the figures, and he's like, okay, this is this is what's really going on, and you guys need to really get get your act together. Is I'm explaining the controller's job. Scott, was that a good explanation there for what you do? I, I love it. It's great to be on <laughs> this great show with you, I got to tell you. Hi, doctor. Hello there, controller. It looks like Lisa is campaigning for your job. No, I'm not. She knows the description pretty well. I have enough jobs. That I have to. My, my job is to let people know what's really going on. And, you, and you, the you know what? You don't, <laughs> you don't want to run against Lisa Evers. Uh-uh, not me. Lisa Evers does not want to run. I know there's a couple of people always on Facebook. No, no, no. I, and I'm not good at meetings. There's a lot of meetings. I, I can't sit still yeah. for that long. But, um, but Scott, I got, a, I got a couple of questions for you, The couple, some really yeah. important things to discuss because uh, and uh, you were going to be on with us this very first weekend when we did the show and then unfortunately your mother passed away from coronavirus related complications and yeah. I just want to extend you my condolences because she just sounds like she was such an amazing woman you know the public school teacher the first woman to represent Washington Heights in the city council and then just her lifelong commitment to the city it's it's it was obvious after I learned more about her you know, where, where your values came from and where your commitment came from and where your emphasis on the facts as opposed to the rhetoric came from, you know? So I just want to extend my condolences to you. Thank you very much. You know, it, it goes to kind of the fight now because she was part of that generation back when New York City was on the edge in the 70s, as you remember, when people were walking out of the city, not coming to the city, people had given up. And she was a part of a group of women who got elected to office, Bella Abzug, uh, Shirley Chisholm. These were the warriors of that time period. And she played a small role in bringing back the city. And we are at that time now when we need the next generation to step up and start demanding answers, especially as the doctor pointed out, the inequity in the healthcare system in the city, the lack of emergency response, the fact that the city hall bureaucrats keep their heads underground and not knowing what's going on. But when you get to a press conference, the rhetoric sounds good, feels good. Meanwhile, people in the Bronx are dying at greater rates than people on the Upper East Side. And we got to stop that nonsense now. And this disease is showcasing what happens when you don't take care of business in all of our communities. And when you see especially, I mean, you know, of course, against the backdrop of your mother's commitment and her, and her being, you know, what would be considered now frontline worker, essential worker, you know, being, being a teacher. Um, the, when you see the way that our frontline workers are, as, especially that not enough equipment, not, you know, just really dealing with these high risk situations, not putting their lives on the line to save others. It's like, don't you feel we can do better than this? Listen, you have people who are wearing masks when they get them, who are delivering groceries. You're never going to know who they are. The fact that they put their lives on the line, mostly people of color, people who are riding the buses and the trains, getting you to where you got to be, people who are the nurses. There were people who took my mom uh, in the Bronx to a hospital in the Bronx. I don't know who those frontline workers were who 
got my mother to where she needed to be to try to save her life. How do I ever say thank you? Well, we as a government have got to say thank you because they're going to lose their lives over this. Many of them. Yes. And we got to provide for their families. And we need to have a victim's compensation fund now, not next year, not the year after. We're going to get trillions of dollars in stimulus money in this country. Put aside some of that money for the people who struggle in the toughest jobs and give them the security that when they go out to save a life, someone is watching out for their five-year-old or their eight-year-old. I mean, fair is fair, and there has to be a recognition of this. No, absolutely. And in terms of the, you know, you you were on the, you know, the, the leading edge really with, with trying to bring a shine a light on what was going on with NYCHA, all the mismanagement and and a lot of times it seems like the money is there, it's just not going to the right places. You got to have a plan, and NYCHA. And by the way, even in this pandemic, let's not think that the issues that we talked about before the pandemic will not be there after we beat this disease. But the people in NYCHA who have suffered because of mismanagement, because there wasn't a plan to make the repairs or get the let out, because city agencies weren't coordinating with each other. You didn't have the Department of Health and NYCHA working together. And by the way, my unfortunately, my fear is that when all this goes away to what the doctor was saying about January and February, I wonder if we had a real Office of Emergency Management with real protocols and drills on the pandemic, as Obama suggested. I wonder what we're going to uncover. And in the time that I'm going to be controller, I'm going to be working to make sure that we tell the full story of how government reacted to the pandemic, especially in communities of color. Are you a little surprised? You know, it occurred to me this morning because we we've been talking with, you know, obviously, you know, I'm in the news dealing with the news and covering the news every single day. And I see I see a lot of the press releases that come out and a lot of the announcements, even if even if they don't make it onto the the 10 o'clock news or the five o'clock news um, on the, the, you know, the regular news stations. But it just seems to me like there's been a tremendous lack of silence from city council members, from state assembly, from state senators, except for a couple. And, you know, we, we have this nursing home crisis, too, which is, is horrendous. I, I mean, I can't even imagine for people going through that, you know. Now, now's the time to step up. You know, some of them have. By the way, you, the ones that I, I find doing some really good work are the ones that aren't sending out the press releases, but they're out in their communities fighting every day. Uh, you know, there's a nurse, uh, well, there's an assemblywoman. I want to shout her out, Karina uh, Reyes in the Bronx. She's a state assemblywoman. She's new. She was a former nurse. Do you know what she did, Lisa? What? She re-enlisted as a nurse. Oh, wow. She, no, seriously. I mean, if you want to guess, and, and I'm not... I'm not, you know, shilling for her, but when I found that out, I was like, wait a minute, you got elected to public office, you could ride above the wave, and now she's in a Bronx hospital. In the thick of it. She's got, in the thick of it. You know we have to talk to her. That's a real street soldier there, so so shout out to Ms. Reyes. You don't get on the show so easy, you know, uh, <laughs> so if you get her on. But, but look, the, the other thing is, what can we do now, right? Right, so, so what, what, what do you say looking at looking ahead here? Well, let's let's look at how we sort of bring back uh, moving from the crisis in healthcare to the crisis of the economy. One of the things we do know is it's going to be slow to bring our businesses back. But something tells me the big real estate firms and the big businesses they will figure out a way to to come back. The challenge now is how do we bring back 
the rest of the small businesses in Queens, in the Bronx, uh, in El Barrio, and all the places that struggle every day with rent and, and trying to pay the bills. And that is where we got to focus. So my office is conducting for those who can access, and I will help them do this, bi-weekly webinars. I can't do it in person. MWBE University, Women of Minority Owned Business University, that would that is allowing our chief diversity officer to get people to understand loans, small business uh, workshops, uh, what the city can do, what the state can do, what the feds can do. And I, we, we did our first webinar, something like 300 business owners, small business owners uh, got on. I'm doing this twice a week, bi-weekly, between now and May. And I want to make sure that when we recreate our street life, it's not just, you know, it, 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 it's got to be like with the mall, idea that we right. can break. Well, yeah, we got to bring our economy back. Uh, I appreciate, you know, a lot of other issues, but we can't lose all of our small businesses because no, we, we lose the life can't. of the city. Scott, I'm gonna. I want to thank you for being with us. I'm gonna have uh, thank you. And I uh, and I get with Josie L so we can get that exact link and uh, we can get that out on Hot 97 on a re- on a resource page so so people know about that because you know we have a lot of in our audience we have a lot of people that have have small businesses and could use that information. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, thank thank you for you know fighting the good fight. We really appreciate it. And thank you for what you do every day for us. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you. All right. Dr. Mayor, let's take a couple of telephone calls real quick here. All right. Let's go to um, Kojo right now. Kojo, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my wife was exposed to it. She's a nurse, and she's going on a 14-day, but nothing haven't changed. What kind of advice did you give me to, you know, try to, you know, smooth her? I mean, she was exposed. Do you mean she was in contact with a patient that had it, or you mean she she got infected? Yeah, she was working for a nursing home in um, Maryland, and um, now she has it, and she's going on her 14th day uh, tomorrow, but there's no change. And I'm a truck driver. I'm on the road. I can't do nothing for her. So, so how does she feel? Yeah. Like she has fever and symptoms like that? No, nah, she says she can't hardly breathe and stuff, and her condition ain't changing. Has she tried to go to the hospital? Yeah, but they just told her that she just has to fight it out. Yeah, but Kojo, Dr. Manny, if she's having trouble breathing, though. Correct. So, so a great Shouldn't example, be... if, you, if, you, if you look at uh, Cuomo, for example, the CNN Cuomo, right, right. The, the brother, he, he had the virus. Chris right? Cuomo, right. Chris Cuomo, but Chris was home. Right. Right, and you could see his symptoms where he had difficulty breathing, uh, you know, have bad fever, pain, and those kind of difficulties, right? right. But it wasn't in a bad stage, right? So you could go through those symptoms and you, and you could, could still talk and do, inter- do a show. When they say go home and fight it out, it doesn't mean that you go home and you can't breathe and you're still fighting it out, right? It, it means that, if you're, right? I mean, the only reason why you're home is because they feel like they don't have enough capacity in the hospitals to hold people. Uh, so I would definitely go back in <laughs> to the hospital to make sure someone uh, keeps an eye out on, on me to at least check in. It's been 14 days without going back. She should definitely go to the hospital. Kojo, do you hear that? Okay, she she should definitely go to the hospital. All right, we hope that we hope that she gets really well Correct. because they're they're saying that obviously they don't want people going to the hospital if you just have a fever and no other symptoms. But if you're having trouble breathing, you need to get in there and get oxygen and get whatever. And she's right? positive. She's positive. Right. Of a, so we know she's infected. Right. right. And she's home and it's getting worse. You should definitely go back in, right? So when if you get it, I mean, it is true that I mean, you don't. There's no cure right now for the virus, so. 
there are things that you can manage at home, right? Uh, for everyone. And so before you, it gets worse, right? Co- yeah, correct. So if you, you could go home and then you could say, drink a lot of fluids, you know, get your Here's vitamins. Answer, right. co- correct. And everything else you need to take, uh, take, you know, medications to manage your symptoms or whatever your doctor tells you to do, right? So you're home doing that. But if the symptoms keep getting worse, do not please, do, do not stay home and say, I'm a home soldier. I want, to, I want to fight this. Please go back into the hospital to get another reassessment. All right, let's uh, let's go to the phone. One eight hundred two two three Let's go to Edgar right now. Edgar, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Yes, my question is if um, they don't have the vaccine yet, right? And that means that we're going back to actually to back to normal life. Uh, people over sixty and older, uh, they haven't been in contact with the p- people who's been infected, um, what would have happened to them? Oh, excellent question. Edgar, thank you very much for the call. What about that, Dr. Manny? C- correct, which is, which is the right reason why we can... That question actually gives the answer to what will happen in the future, right? We, so we cannot get back to normal without a vaccine <laughs> because of these exact reasons, right? So we need to have a vaccine in place to say, hey, everyone got a vaccine, uh, and then we are, we are fine, and then if another strain, but fine, there's fewer people that might get affected, right? But until uh, that point, the only thing we can do is separate people between those that have been infected in the past and recovered, um, but those or those that have not been infected at all and they're, they're still clean, right? But you have to put those populations together. Those that are positive, are positive and, and infective will stay separately from the rest of society. That's what we have to do it. And then is it like from, from your point of view, you know, and, for, and from what you know and the kind of work, all the different uh, kinds of work that you do, are they working hard like all these different research labs or, or who, you know, comes up with these these ideas for these vaccines? Like are they, is this like an around the clock, like, hey, we've got to find this, like a, a sense of urgency about this? Yes, there's lots and lots of research uh, going on uh, right now from uh, vaccine kind of element of it. Um, I know Snofi and, and GSK, um Working on, on, on a pretty uh, promising vaccine as well. I mean, Gilead, I mean, many people working on this, right? So there are people working on vaccines to prevent. There are people working on uh, drugs that we can use to bridge um, or to maintain things in the meantime before the vaccine gets in the market. So there's a lot of research uh, being put uh, behind this. And, and I think uh, the government actually has done a fantastic job uh, with, with decreasing those regulations quite a bit to make things faster and fast tracking. fast tracking it, right? Right, fast tracking things. Okay, to make well, sure that's good happen. to know. Yeah, so you, you have a very good uh, relationship now with um, the private and public sector, um, right? Um, the frustrating part is talking to um, to some scientists that are frustrated with the idea of there's like over 100 uh, trials going on for the exact same drug, right? So instead of just coming together and working on, let's do the one massive trial and get right. results faster, right. everyone is doing their own little thing in their own sites, but it's, a, it's very active. All right, that's good to know. Let's, so our phone lines, uh, let's take some calls right now. Let's go to Ralph. Ralph, hi, you're on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers and Dr. Manny. Go right ahead. Oh. Hey, Manny, um, I have a general question. Um, so I'm a super tour building in Manhattan, and I may or may not have been exposed to the coronavirus. Um, so I, I have about 30 N95 masks, okay? So I've been using one every day for, let's say, the past 30 days. My question is, can I go back to the first N95, N95 mask to reuse it after the coronavirus is supposedly dead? Oh, okay, that's a good question. Dr. Manny, can he reuse it? If it's been like 30 days, and also how do you clean like a like an N95 mask? 
there's a lot of so you have to look at a mask like any other surface right so we know um that a lot of even even uh, first line workers uh, like yourself and even in the hospitals are, are reusing uh, some of this n95 mask right so because there's a shortage right so if you only have 30 uh, what's the point of getting rid of it right and and so i'll still wipe it down just to be extra sure uh because don't forget if you put it on different surfaces they might be contaminated again but we know that you know it probably lasts on a surface like that for about three days right so it's been 30 days with nothing so else kind of like hang them up let it air out and then wipe wipe it down kind of let it hang. correct yeah you can wipe it down yep exactly and, and then and then use it again all right there you go ralph okay let's go to um let's go to frank right now frank hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead how you doing lisa all right how are you um, doing I'm good. Um, I got like a two part question. One is one is one is directed towards the doctor, and one is one is directed. I mean, unfortunately, Scott's not on the phone, but like towards the city. The first question is like I've watched a lot of movies and I've I've done some research, and viruses can mutate into something else. Is this something that we have to be worried about transforming into something else? Where it was where it would start out as a contact virus and then turns airborne and then turns into something else? Or is this something that we're going to be able to contain and and keep limited or even eradicate? All right. Excellent. Ex- excellent question, Frank. Can, can it mutate? You know, we've heard about other, like we hear the flu virus changes every year. Can, can it mutate? And is it mutating? Or we don't know. Correct. So there's there's been some data out of uh, southern part of India looking at this that uh, they've seen some mutations in some strains of the virus, right? So when we say mutation here, let's get an understanding. We have things like staph, which is like staph aureus bacteria, which is on our skin. Everyone has staph right now, right? And you have something called MRSA, which MRSA was uh, basically staph. The flesh-eating bacteria. Correct. Right? It's the same as staph that is already on your body, but it's something that mutated to a more resistant uh, form of it, right? And that's the whole reason why you, you, you probably hear guidance about don't take antibiotics every single day for no reason, right? right. <laughs> Make sure. Uh, or if, before People just pop antibiotics. When I was a kid, my grandmother gave me antibiotics for every single thing, right? Headache, antibiotics, whatever it is, antibiotics, <laughs> right? So what happened is, like anything else, people adapt. Like humans adapted, like right now we're all quarantined, and guess what? Now DJs are having parties on Instagram, right? right. We adapted. So, right. so anything in nature will adapt, right? You put a tree in a house with the exposure to sunlight, it's going to bend out, right? So just, just natural things in life that right. will adapt to conditions. And so with that being said, so the mutation is not in the idea of, well, first it wasn't airborne, then now it's airborne, or next thing is going to become doing jujitsu or karate, right? So, so that's, not, that's not a full concept here. So the idea here is, Mutation just means that uh, you've, you've, it's been exposed and you probably use some kind of drug to cure it and then it tweaks itself so that drug, say, becomes resistant. Correct. So over time, we expect that there'll be mutations and, and stuff around it. Um, so we expect that. So that's what it is. But the idea of it being airborne is just we didn't know, right? So we have more right, data to Right, because we got, we got more, more about that. All right, we got to right. take a short break. Thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. Hot 97 Street Soldiers, we'll be right back. HD HD One New York. This is a special coronavirus edition of Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot ninety seven. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. Uh, joining me in studio is Dr. Manny, Dr. Emmanuel Fambu. He's a medical doctor and surgeon, best selling author, and medical and public health futurist. And uh, Dr. Manny, we're going to go to the phone right now. We have Oren Barzale. He's the president of the FDN, um, FDNY EMS Local twenty five zero seven. And, uh, oh wait, here he is. Can I just do this, Drewski here? Okay. 
And Oren was on the show a couple of weeks ago with us talking about what the paramedics, what the you know EMS workers have to go through when they get to a home where they think there's been a cardiac arrest. So last night I called him just to check in, see what's happening, and uh, he said things are, are getting worse. And Oren, thank you so much for being with us. And, and I, I want to say again, thank you so much. Uh, for the work that your members are doing, this this really life-saving work. It, it's unbelievable right now. And I hope you got more equipment since the last time we talked. Hi, good morning, Lisa. Thank morning. you for having me again. Um, yes, uh, our situation is, uh, as far as PPE, has uh, stabilized for now. But uh, a new directive has uh, come out from the state uh, in regards to cardiac arrest which uh, if you recall when uh, last time I was on your show, I said we were in phase one, and which means that when we get on scene, we check for a pulse. If there's no pulse, we do CPR on our victims for 20 minutes. And if they don't come back, we basically pronounce them dead on arrival, uh, which was already a change from what we're used to. We, can, we used to work them 40, 45 minutes, an hour sometimes, then transport them to the hospital. Now, what the directive from the state that came out is, if we get on scene and they're at the age of 18 or older, we connect them to our defibrillator. If there is no mechanical uh, or electrical movement for, for the layperson, we are not to attempt to resuscitate them. That is a major change for us again, which uh, we were saying, this is a battlefield triage. Our war zone is escalating, for lack of a better term. So, Oren, let me make sure, so, because because you, you guys are especially tra trained in this area, and I'm not, and, I, and neither are most of our listeners, so I want to make sure we understand correctly. So, when you say the defibrillator, that's the, the thing that, like those two metal plates you put on the chest? Is that what that is? To to sh uh, like yes, shock, what, shock that looks like it shocks a person, and then you and then you're Cor saying that you do that, and then if they don't do anything, there's no CPR after that or anything after that. So so for the layperson, uh, you're right to to a certain degree. We co we connect them to the machine. The machine will read whether they're in a systole, meaning if they have any electrical movement in their heart. The heart works on electrical impulses, um, so. If the machine doesn't detect anything, we're not to shock them. We're just to pronounce them dead. Which wow. in a normal situation would be completely different, right? So Absolutely. We would attempt, we would attempt uh, all measures to bring them back. We would start compression. We would shock them. We would intubate them. We would uh, use our drugs. Uh, you know, there's, there's many interventions that we're trained to do. Uh, but this now, this is... Uh, this is a new uh, phase that we're in where we're now just going there to pronounce people. Correct. Just to expand on that a little bit, so some of the options. Dr. Manning, yeah, correct, please. That, that are available um, uh, there, right, uh, that Oren uh, was talking about, is in a, in a normal state, if someone uh, gets in, in, in a position where your heart stops beating or you can't breathe, there are multiple options that are available, right? So I'm sure most people have heard of this, of this, this call of DNR, right? Which means do not resuscitate, uh, kind of order. 
which in general people think it means that if I stop breathing, do nothing, right? But it goes deeper than that in, in most cases where you have something like a full code, like code blue, and the people kind of hear this in general, right? If you're code blue, like you went blue and you can't breathe and your heart stops pumping, there's still options for you, right? So you could say, I don't want to do CPR, which is one aspect of it. And if you look at CPR, you look at um, advanced uh, cardiac um, support, um, tools that you could do, and you could do the shocking, like defibrillator, um, like we just discussed, right? And if that doesn't work in certain sense, we know in, in advanced cases, CPR might not necessarily work for you, right? If you're in full shock. <laughs> so you need something else more advanced to do this. And so we have intubation kind of options, right? To get you air. Um, and there's also vasopressors or medications like epinephrine, uh, which could be used in each particular case. Um, and I believe, Arun, from what you're saying is um, the new guidance uh, specifically says that you can't do um, those other advanced options that you could normally do. Correct? That's correct. That's correct. So, Oren, when I look at this, when I look at this chart that the New York State Health Department sent out, and I'm going to get with 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 Louis Mercado, our our editorial news guy here at Hot 97 Director, and um, put, I'm going to put this out on my social media too, so people can see. It's like D, DNR or me criteria for obvious death, and then the next little line is stop. It's red. The red stop sign. Do not initiate resuscitation. Does that mean if somebody looks dead, you just somebody looks dead you just are not supposed to do anything if they if they have uh if they are obviously dead yeah we're not to do anything um but the this directive that i sent you last night basically says that just because they look dead doesn't mean stop you you have to connect them to the machine that can detect electrical activity so if there is no electrical activity, we are to pronounce them as expired. Have you, have you seen cases where people had no ele- electrical activity and you were able to, um, you know, bring them back alive in layman terms? Correct. You've had cases so, like that. You guys have had cases like that. So, so it's it's always, uh, you know, we've had people who had no electrical activity and, and we would shock them to bring back the activity. Now they don't want us to do that. Correct. And and, and the crazy part we discussed even the first time or, uh, when you were on and we had this conversation was when we count the number of people that are dying from COVID-19 infections, we are counting those that were positive in the hospital. But there are many people that are dying at home from other conditions associated with COVID-19 that are not being counted in those numbers. The complications. Correct. That's correct. And imagine the mental stress here on the EMS workers, right? That's one piece of it. So if you know, if you're in healthcare, there's a Hippocratic Oath, right? Where you try to do your best to save lives. And so imagine a healthcare worker going in and you know that you could have done more to help that particular that, patient. And you can't. That, that's exactly it. You know, we, we are out there basically to give people a second chance in life. You know, we, we bring back people from the dead all the time. This is now... Uh, taking that option away from from us giving people that chance and the amount of psychological impact this will have down the line is beyond comprehension i mean we're going to have some serious ptsd uh coming down as the next phase in this covid crisis and and or and the other thing too is i i can't imagine when you know, when your people go into an go into an apartment to try to do this, the person is passed. They're not allowed to do any more. And then, any family members or 
you know, roommates or whoever else is there in, in that house has just got to stay there, you know? Yeah, that, and witness that's going it. to uh, it's it's going to be a crisis for the entire uh, state. It's not just uh, I mean, I represent EMS providers and fire inspectors, but uh, this is going to impact society as a whole. Um, that we're basically at, at this phase in in our life where we're not even giving people a second chance. And uh, but I want to be clear that this is a state um, state initiative. health department, ha- right? Yes. Uh, a lot of counties in the state has already implemented this. Uh, New York City is under re- it's under review right now in our city. And and what? Aren't, I think I know why they're doing this. Uh, but why? Why are they doing? Why this? are they doing this? Is it because of capacity reasons only? Is it because they don't have enough space in the hospitals and they're crowded? Because I, I mean, the last last I heard, I, I know um, hospitalizations are down. The Navy ship is kind of empty, right? I heard it's ninety yeah. percent open, and I know that Javi Center has a lot of space open. So why 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 now? Uh, that is a great question. So I think even though the hospitals uh, may have decreased in their capacity, uh, our cardiac arrest calls have still remained at high levels. So they're afraid that that surge is going to come in again to the hospitals. Uh, okay. That could be a possibility. So it's a resource. We still have, it's a resource. Yes, we st- that could be it. I mean, we ha- we still have a high call volume of people in cardiac arrest at home. Correct. And, and people were having cardiac arrest even before COVID-19. Right. right. And, and, you know, when, when Controller uh, Stringer was, was on earlier, I, I think as we encourage businesses within communities, we know that mortality rates are significantly higher in the, in the communities of color. We know that. Absolutely. Correct. So, Death rate twice as high for African-Americans. And I think it's now time to, to, to take uh, that next step where you just can't depend on the government to do every single thing for you. Right. What, what are we doing as a community to also be more proactive about healthcare? We're on our own. Correct. Right. So, so do we they encourage, you know, gardening within our community? change the way we eat within our communities, right? What are the celebrities within this community doing to actually imp- improve positive lifestyle changes within that community? That's what we need to do, right? Because something like this will happen again the next time this happens, where the such orders come in, the person that is affected by this is someone that already has cardiovascular disease today, has diabetes today, has asthma, who's most likely lives in these communities that we're talking about, in our communities. Exactly. Or, or in what, um, how, how, are the, how are your people doing? How are the EMTs and the paramedics doing? Uh, they're they're strong, you know. They're they're working together. They're looking out for each other. Um, the call volume uh, has has dropped. I think people have uh, finally listened, but uh, they listen about not calling nine one one for non emergencies. But the problem that we're seeing is that people are afraid to go to the hospital, yes. so they're dying at home. Okay. They're not seeking help. We've had calls just today with, right. with, with uh, you know, with, uh, with callers talking about having family members at home that are sick right now, but they're not they going to the hospital. They're going to the hospital, exactly. Oh, so, Aaron, right, how does this make you, um, I mean, how, how, how does this affect you personally, um, right? I mean, last time we spoke about it, I think you were very emotional about it, and even right now talking about it, something that you really care about. So, how are you handling this, and how are the, your, your members handling this? So we have a counseling uh, service unit. Um, prior to this uh, epidemic, uh, pandemic, uh, our union has initiated what's called peer support. We were in the early stages of developing it, where our members can talk about it among each other. We will have professionals come in. So that's going to be our our major hurdle t- to overcome 
in the coming weeks about getting our members the help that they need. But as of now, they have counseling service unit. Um, they can seek out help. They can talk to somebody uh, that's professionally from the department that deals with this kind of uh, incident. And we hope that uh, there'll be more professional help from the department and the city in the coming days. I mean, I know the city has put out some information about situations like this, but we would like to have uh, dedicated resources for people in the front line. The first responders, exactly. Exactly. Well, Oren, yes. th- th- we, um, we, th- we thank you for the work you and all your members are doing for the city and for doing your best to save lives. And this is, is quite clear as a wartime situation. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be staying in touch with you. But th- thank you very much for calling in and, and being on the show and letting us know what's going on. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Dr. Mano, let's take that's incredible, right? It is incredible, um, and, and so this also uh, brings up that point of please, if you don't feel well, do not stay at home to the extreme end, right? Because uh, you can't depend on the EMS uh, naturally to save you as they normally would. So if, if you get to the point and you're looking at your own life, please do go to the hospital and insist on people taking care of you, right? Don't don't take no for an answer. Insist on getting better service. And as you said before, if it's not, a lot of people are waiting till it's it's almost too late, and then they're going to the hospital and dying at the hospital. Correct. We hear these calls all the time of people being sick and staying at home, and you can't breathe, and you think you have to fight it off, right? It's not t- the time for you to be tough. It's okay, you know, to feel like I'm not feeling well. I want you to go talk to someone. Whether is you know to go through the uh, difficulty breathing, even if it's a mental health kind of issues, please do reach out for support. All right, let's take some phone calls. Uh, let's go to Greg right now. Greg, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How you doing? Um, All right, how are you? I have a question. So with the test that they're doing, the swab test, I've been hearing a lot of information about false negatives coming back. Like how accurate are these tests that they are doing? Exactly. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much for that call. How accurate are they, Dr. Manny? And what right. is a false negative? I don't, well, I don't that, know. That's a good question. Um, so th- there's no test that is 100% guarantees uh, things, right? So when you look at testing, there are two kinds of ways of doing tests. So you could do a test that has a high sensitivity, which basically is the idea of let's uh, rule you out of a disease, right? So like blood sugar, you could do a test where it says, well, if your blood sugar is very high, then, I mean, or let's say 200, right? 100. I could make it 100 to make it more sensitive so I catch people early. Or I could make it 200 and catch people later in disease, right? So based on why I tweak that, it could make it more sensitive or less sensitive. But normally you want to get a test that is like at least 90% accurate, right? That would be something that would be good. So you will probably miss 10% of the population of people. But with the current crisis, I know that the FDA is actually relaxing those guidelines where you have tests that are in the market that might not necessarily reach that threshold, right? But over time, those tests are getting better. And the ideal goal will be to get a test that is like 99.9% accurate. Um, and that's where some of the tests approved by the FDA at meet that mandate. But most of them are accurate, would you say? Correct. Most of them are accurate. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Joseph right now. Most jo- of the FDA cleared <laughs> tests. Most of the FDA approved <laughs> tests are accurate. Hey Joseph, how are you? Yes, hi. How you doing? All right, um, how are you doing? I all right. I just had a question. Basically, um, I was going to the retail store one day shopping, and basically, I have pre-existing asthma. I was turned down because I came in with gloves and no mask. However. Um, I see people doing the opposite, coming in with no gloves and um, wearing a mask. Um, you know, and there's no, I asked the, the manager if there's any posted signs or whatnot, and he can't answer that. So I'm trying to figure out, like, 
you know, what's going on with that? Uh, these private businesses doing that? Okay, well, well, um, right, right, right now in New York City, and this this happened uh, late last late during the week. Um, Mayor De Blasio made it a law, a city law. You can't go into a grocery store without a mask and they can refuse you if you don't have a mask. Then Governor Cuomo, which went into effect last night, um, Governor Cuomo says you need to have a mask anywhere in public where you cannot socially distance. So, for example, if you're uh, jogging down the street at, you know, four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning and there's nobody out there, you're not going to, you know, you're not breaking the law by not wearing a mask. If you're out there and there's there's people, a lot of people out, it's a sunny Saturday afternoon, then which it isn't going to be today, unfortunately, but, um, you know, you need, you need to have a mask. So basically you need in New York city, I would say you need to have, you need to have a mask with you at all times because it's very rare to go, go out the door without running into people. So that, that's a situation like that. So can we take one more call? Or we're, we're good. All right. Let's take one more call here. Let's go to, uh, Jay right now. Jay, hi, you're on hot 97. Go right ahead. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Lisa, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What's your question or comment? All right, so um, I'm an essential worker. I work for the MTA. And uh, recently, they're not requiring us to get retested in order for us to get back to work. So once you get tested positive, we just, um, we are forced basically to get back in or use our own sick time. And um, that's putting in jeopardy the other, all of the coworkers that are, um, you know, are healthy. Jay, hold up a second. Let me just make sure I understand. So you're saying for the and shout out to the MTA workers who've been doing an unbelievable job. They suffered so many dozens and dozens have already lost their lives and um, many, many positive uh, COVID-19 positive cases. So you're saying that if you're an MTA worker, you test positive for COVID-19, but you don't have severe symptoms. You quarantine for 14 days and then you're supposed to go back to work right away is that what you're saying without it being yeah that is correct um we just as long as we don't get the fevers uh for 72 hours we can just go back to work that that is uh definitely not the right uh procedure here i mean so if you are sick in general uh especially get sick so first you have to recover we've known that there's data sets that show that eight days after people recovered, they're still infective, right? This is data out of China that shows this, right? I mean, before the recommendation was- And, and what's reco- recovery is no symptoms and no fever? No, n- yes, n- n- no symptoms, no fever, and you have uh, two negative tests, right, within the 48 hour period, right? So that makes sense. So you okay. recovered and then you do a test to make sure that this person, remember looking for antigen, right? N- not antibodies, right? For the antibody test, you might test positive, but for the antigen, so you had COVID-19, you had you were sick. You recovered. I did a test on you, negative. I did another test again to confirm the second time that you were negative. Then you're good, right? But we realized that. But this data that showed that even after that, people are still infected eight days after. So, <laughs> so basically, they need to be retested. So what 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 he was saying is not not proper. Correct. You should be retested to make sure that you're negative before returning to work. You can't you, you can't uh, get better and then fever gets better and then you go back to work, right? Because we don't know because we know that there are people that are carrying the virus that are asymptomatic, right? Just because your fever went down does not mean that you don't uh, you're not infected anymore. Which is why it's very important and very careful for everyone to be educated about this, about making sure what we are, what we are all trying to do, right? Because it's, the faster we actually do this as a community, the better it is. So imagine you're an MTA worker, for example, you get sick. And you got your fever got better, and without any testing, you went back to work. 
you actually put more lives at risk, <laughs> right? Be, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's so it's pretty dangerous in that sense. So I, I think uh, we should follow uh, the, the CDC recommended guidelines, and you should definitely get clearance from your doctor before going back to work. Absolutely. All right. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. Uh, with me in studio, Doctor Manny, and we'll take more of your telephone calls when we come back. This is Hot ninety seven Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We are with you on Hot 97, 24-7, seven days a week as we all try to get through this coronavirus crisis. Big shout out to all the frontline workers, all the essential workers, everybody uh, trying to keep everything moving forward uh, to the new, new normal, whenever that's going to be here. So uh, with me in studio, Dr. Manny, he's uh, a.k.a. Dr. Manuel Fambu. He's a medical doctor and surgeon, best-selling author, medical futurist, and public health uh, expert. Let's uh, go to the phones right now. Uh, let's see, Kidroy. Let's go to Kidroy. Is it Kilroy or Kidroy? It's Kidroy. Hey, Kidroy. Thank you so much for hey. calling in. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and good morning. How are you? Good morning, thank you. What's your question or comment for uh, for me or for Dr. Manny? Question is, um, after being tested positive, not showing any signs before, not showing any symptoms after six days, uh, how do I know now if I don't have the, the COVID-19? Okay, excellent question. You mean, so there's, there's two things. So that if you got infected before, then you have antibodies for COVID-19, right? So, but you don't have the active virus to infect other people um, out, or to get sick. You should do another test um, for it, right? So if you do the same test that um, got you, that, that tested positive before uh, for this, and you do the same test and it comes back negative, that's that's how you know, right? And you would then be in, possibly in that position of people that have actually got infected that recovered. Remember, there's a lot of people... Uh, once we start doing mass testing, we'll find out that a lot more people have been exposed to this virus that just never knew that they had it, right? So you might have some states. In New York City, for example, we have large amount, large numbers because we also did the massive testing, right? We actually have the, the largest number of tests done in New York City than anywhere else. So we have large numbers of people that are positive with cases, right? But not people that get fully probably fully got sick or, or right. died uh, from this, right? And so there are many people in other states that think that they only have five, ten people but that be, that's because they're only doing 20 tests. <laughs> so you don't necessarily find everyone. Right. Right. So, that, yeah, so that we believe, uh, a lot of other scientists believe that a lot of people that are, uh, that have been infected with asymptomatic and recovered. So, so what should Kid Roy do? Should he get it? He should try to get another test? Correct. That's the only way to find out. So do another test. Correct. All right, Kid Roy, there's your answer. But, um, how long after that test should I get the, the next test done? Because we don't know when you get infected, when you get the first test done so just because you tested positive does not mean that's the first day you got infected right so you could have been in the middle of a point of this so i'll wait uh two weeks and if you don't if you don't if you don't have any symptoms from that i'll get retested again all right kid Roy, good good luck okay and i'm glad you glad you're uh don't have such serious Correct, because we talked about the incubation period here uh, on the very first show right how long this virus will last right so if you give it uh two weeks uh period and you, you didn't get any you didn't get sick from that it's possible you might have recovered so it'd be a good time to actually get tested all right well a lot of questions about the testing dr manny's let's go to uh ola right now ola hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead Yes, um, my daughter went to the hospital um, yesterday. She's four months old, and she went she went in for you know for a four months old shot. 
you know, and the doctor who attended to her, you know, um, told told us, you know, she's positive, but um, she can't um, transfer the virus. Like, but she just has to let us know. You know, so I'm just like, why are you still working when you're positive and all that? You know, so I'm just asking, is that right? Like, should should she have attended to us and all of that? Just wanted to ask. So, what kind of test was it? Was it an antibody test or was it an antigen test? No, no, it was just a shot. Um, it's the four months old vaccine for the baby. She, he, your daughter's four months old, right? Yeah, she went in for the four months old four months old vaccine. Correct. Right. You know, yeah, but the doctor who attended to to us said she was positive. She just informed the was positive that. Oh, the doctor you know, was positive. Know, oh, the doctor was positive. Yeah. Oh, the oh, doctor God. that did the test on the baby was positive. positive. Okay, gotcha. now I understand. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I thought the baby was positive. That's All right, like, so he's concerned about his daughter. Correct. So the, the doctor was positive, but the doctor had recovered, correct? Okay, D- it, but it just in, ge- in general, if the doctor's doing a test on that small a baby, and the doctor, it turns out the doctor's positive, this speaks to your contact tracing thing that's what what should he be looking for 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 his daughter in the in the next next days and well, weeks? I, i'm positive if the doctor was positive so when we say positive we have to be understand what it means to be positive right if you're positive and you're positive before and you were recovered and you had a negative test and you're not infective does not mean that you're forever doomed by the virus right you recovered from it right so okay same, same kind of idea so is it possible that a doctor was positive in the past um, and then recovered, and then now they are back working after they right. tested negative. That's 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 a completely different. Situation. And how would you know that anyway? Because I had a negative test. So, so which comes down to this point now of, so confusing. of the rationale why we all have to walk around with tests positive, right? If I come up to you and I say, "Hey, Lisa, um, I was positive uh, three months ago," you're too suspicious, right? Uh, you're probably thinking in your head, uh, <laughs> let, "Let me do a test here to make sure to make sure you're negative, right?" So that's we exactly, to, and so you know exactly how things will go forward, right? Because in this case, it's, it's right to be concerned about this, and then the question becomes. In the meantime, should we allow you know anyone that is positive in the front lines that recovers to go back to work? It's same argument we just had here with about the, um, the MTA workers, right? Right. Same kind of thing. Well, you're, but I don't. But think it doesn't doctor, seem like there's. A, it doesn't seem like there's a uh, like like a, a a roadmap for what you're supposed to do. Like, okay, here's step one. Here's step two. Here's step three. Like, you know, it seems like it's. I mean, I I know a lot of the medical profession and public health workers. This is kind of like on-the-job training because we've never been through this before. But I would think by now there would be a thing like you're saying, all right, you take the test, you test positive, no serious symptoms. Here's what you do, A, B, C, D. If you do have serious symptoms and you stop breathing, call 911 and go to the hospital. Correct. And I, and I think that there should be more clear guidelines. So it's clearly from all the calls coming in. People don't know what, what's going people, on. People don't know what to do, right? So overall, the overall sense is this. If you do test positive, there are two things. Either you, you have symptoms or you don't have symptoms. Okay. If you don't have symptoms and you recover, then you cannot infect other people if the virus is no longer in you. But because you got infected with the virus, your body has antibodies. So your body fought it, right? So your body was strong enough because your immune system was strong enough to fight the virus from infecting you. So now your body has memory. Okay. So it has a memory thing of saying, Hey, if you come again, I can remember you. You, you were here before. Right. That's what happens here. Right. But some people had weaker immune systems for whatever reason. They got infected and they actually had disease. They had a fever. So when you have fever, your body can still fight, fight it. And then you, you could, then you could recover without necessarily advancing to advanced disease, but you're positive. 
then there are people that could get infected and have fever and your fever cannot control it and you get worse and worse and worse and get very high fever, end up with pneumonia, more advanced disease that end up in the hospital and get intubated. That's, that's a worse category. Those people can still recover, right? They still recover. And some of them do. Correct. And yeah, some but of them once do. you got the tube, it's not looking good. Correct. But you could still recover. You right? could still recover. You still recover. Exactly. And so when, once you recover, everyone recovered, you don't have the active virus anymore, right? But your body's memory has uh, the memory's antibodies for this virus. But the active virus is not, which means you cannot infect other people, right? So if I go around and I you touch people, you touch surfaces, you're not actively shedding virus. So that's what we need to test to make sure you're not shedding. If you're not shedding, then you're okay. All right, let's go to Christine right now. Christine, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Um, hi, good afternoon. Just a quick question. Now, as far as the test is concerned, is it covered under insurance or do you have to pay? Okay, that I don't know. Now, I, actually, um, th- that, that has been a big, a big discussion um, right now. And uh, I, I think right now it's one of those things where the government covers it. Where every, so testing is not, you, you, you don't have, you will not be prevented access to testing because of your insurance, right? So you could get tested, yes. So wherever you are, uh, with no questions asked about insurance, you could get tested. And the rationale behind that makes sense, right? So if we have people that don't have insurance or underinsured or your insurance company says they will not cover it, you're putting everyone else at risk, right? So because of that, testing is covered. Uh, that's something that uh, that uh, some Congress people, actually senators, pushed for, and uh, the, the, the government agreed to cover the test for everyone. And I think we'll be able to get more information, too, because uh, Mayor de Blasio said they're getting 50,000 tests each week now from some company in Indiana, and they're, they're going to be opening up these testing sites in the community. So uh, we'll try to get more information uh, for you on that. We'll have it for next week, but if I have it during the week, I'll be posting it on my Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And uh, we'll also do some stuff for Hot97.com when we get that testing information. Because a lot of questions about testing, Dr. Manny. No, correct. And, and it's and it's reasonable because the only way we can get back to normal is through testing, right? That's what's going to happen. And and until we have a vaccine and we have we have great antibody testing, uh, you could think about the current test being like diabetes test when you stick your finger and check your blood sugar. <laughs> so literally, you, you should think about it that way, right? We actually like just drawing blood and testing yourself. Am I positive or negative on a daily basis right? to make sure if you didn't get infected? All right, great. Let's uh, let's take one. Let's go to uh, Dennis right now. Dennis, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, Dennis. Uh, if you could turn your radio down, and then we can hear your question or comment. Hey, Dennis. Okay. Um, all right. Sorry about that. Let's go to uh, let's go to Sanchez right now. Sanchez, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hello, good morning. How are you morning. doing, Lisa Evers and everybody else? I want to thank you guys for the work that you do. And also, Lisa, I want to really thank you, especially for the work that you've done. I've been a fan since 1997. <laughs> anyway, oh, wow. Original Street Soldier, one of my originals. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate my that. Goodness. Wow. It's been really nice to see you step up to the plate and be the really community um, reporter. But anyway, I don't want to take up too much time. Well, thank you um, for that. I appreciate that. Um, my father's in a nursing home, and about three, three, or maybe even four weeks ago, he tested positive for coronavirus, and um, he he had symptoms the first day. He had a you know stomach ache, chest pains, fever, and um, they gave him anti-malaria medication, and he's been good ever since. And he doesn't even know he has it. We didn't tell him, but every day he's. He's good, you know. He's he's perfect. He's he's always positive. He doesn't really know what's going on, but I'm concerned about what does that really mean, you know? And you know, does it mean that he's going to develop symptoms one day, or is he, 
is um you know is he just gonna be good? Is he is he always gonna be immune to it? Like what does that really mean? Um, I mean I don't know what asymptomatic really means because even for us we're walking around here and you know interacting with people and it's like am I asymptomatic? Did, did I have it? You know when does that go away? How do I know? So I just really hope that the doctor could explain a little bit about what does it really mean to be asymptomatic and what are the chances that my father's asymptomatic or he's just waiting to get sick. All right. Excellent. Excellent question. It, once you, um, Sanchez, thank you very much for the call. We're going to get an answer from Dr. Manny. Dr. Manny, in, ter- in terms of the nursing home issue is very, very severe because we've seen, we've seen a lot of cases and we've seen kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of tragic outcomes there. But in, in terms of how, what, how do you define asymptomatic? So, 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 first off, let's let's address the the part of the malaria medication, right? So okay. Hydroxychloroquine, which is what everyone talks about, right? <laughs> now about it, it works, right? There are, there are many other drugs that have shown initial um, benefit in this, but we don't know if uh, your dad recovered because of the drug or because he just recovered on his own, right? Which happens all the time. So you, to to get an answer, you have to do something called random randomized controlled trial. Where you control, you give one group of people the drug, and the other side you give them a standard of care, or what you do normally. And if everyone recovers, that means that the drug did not make anything different, right? But if if uh, you do it and you find out people that were on the drug recovered more, that's fantastic, right? So there's a lot of research going on on there. So I'm glad that your dad uh, definitely recovered from that. So what so, does asymptomatic mean? Right, like what does he have to be worried about? What his like? Let's give him like one or two next quick steps. What should he be concerned about? Should he get tested? If correct. Been so, so visiting him. Correct. When we say asymptomatic, the best way to look at it is this way: If I literally come to anyone, to you right now, any human being right now, and I swipe your hand and I test if you have staph, staphylococcus bacteria. Yes, we have tons of staph on us, so you're positive for staph. Right, because we have bacteria when you sweat on your skin, right? So you shower, right? You have bacteria on your skin all the time, but it doesn't infect you. Are you positive for staff? Yes, you are positive for staff. Everyone is positive for staff. But do you, are you sick from staff? No, you're not, right? But sometimes. All right, I was waiting for the good news uh, line right? on that one. But, but sometimes, you, for sometimes, you could get infected with staff. You could get like a boil, a pus, cellulitis, different things that could happen when you get infected uh, with this, right? Like your skin breaks up and bacteria goes in, you get infected. So that's what that's what positive. So positive doesn't mean if you if you're asymptomatic, uh, and you got exposed to it, your body might have fought it. So in your dad's case, if he recovered, that means that his immune system actually fought it for whatever reason. All right, Sanchez. So that's good news. Your dad your dad fought it and, and recovered. Correct. And so there's big research. Drug, yeah. Correct. And there's research going on to say, is it possible if we take blood from people that recovered? Can we create a vaccine or something to help other people? Right, right? that plasma thing, right? The plasma argument that we talked about, right? So that's what we're still doing, but we don't know yet. But the fact that your dad got infected and recovered is is fantastic news. All right, fantastic news, Sanchez. You heard it right there from Dr. Manny. All right, I've got some fantastic news right now. I'm going to bring in here the entertainer extraordinaire, the one and only Rip Michaels. He's a comedian and actor. He's the star of MTV's Wild and Out, Centrics, according to him and her, he was doing until the you know everything got shut down with the clubs and stand up and all kinds of things. And uh, he's been doing the way the DJs and the artists have been doing their Instagram lives. He's been doing his uh, laugh on lockdown. And uh, we thought he could use a few laughs this week here when the governor, after the governor announced, we're going to be having to wear masks everywhere and be shut down for another month. Rip, thank you so much for being with us. Can you hear me? Hello? Am I there? Everybody in my voice? 
Please bear with me. I got Sprint, so my this Sprint is trash. I'm just telling you, my phone only works in the store that I got it from. So I don't know if y'all can hear me, but if you can, hello. <laughs> yeah, well, if you pay your bill, you know, if you pay your bill, that's when they you get your service. Like if you're having trouble making calls, it's because you owe them money. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they said, and I was like, huh. So the government didn't speak to y'all. I was like, I got to get y'all on the phone and call Trump because he said he was going to handle all this because I ain't been working. But I guess that's neither here nor there. Well, thank you for having me, Lisa. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I trust you totally, too, because you got the doctor on the phone. So I'm actually having a conversation with my mask off. Normally, when I speak to people on the phone, I put my mask on because I don't want the virus to come through and affect my phone. I don't want COVID-19 <laughs> on the phone. Because I got an Android, and I just know it, it, it just needs one thing not to work. So. Wait a minute, you have the old government phone, the flip phones they give out? Yeah, I got an Obama phone. That's how much a <laughs> president of Obama fan. I still have his phone. That's, I just I just keep putting minutes on it every time. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to know, what is the uh, what is the mask? What do you think about this mask? How does it change your life? You know, it's all mandatory now here in New York State. I must say that uh, has uh, black and Spanish people have taken this whole mask to a whole nother level. I didn't see Gucci masks. I didn't see Fubu masks. I didn't see designer masks. I didn't see uh, some of my white friends take like handkerchiefs and put them over and look like old Western bank robbers. It's all type of masks. And in the hood, because I live in the hood still, because I haven't made it out yet. Because Nick doesn't really pay us nothing but a T-shirt and Mariah Carey sleeves. So, <laughs> shout out to if Nick you need to by Mariah, I got a whole bunch of them. And I'm watching people go in the stores, and they buy masks. They're wearing, everybody has a mask. I see people going on, going out. I saw a guy yesterday, he went and bought two masks and a bottle of Hennessy. And he was like, yeah, I'm going out with my girl. I was like, he didn't get no condoms. I was like, so you got Hennessy masks and no condoms. I was like, you know, uh, herpes is still out here. I mean, I know you're worried about COVID-19, but <laughs> you can't wear the mask if you get a bump on your lip. Herpes is forever. This ain't going to last that long. You still going to be affected after. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what, what about the um you know because it, it kind of looks like in certain neighborhoods people are either escapees from a you know from an operating room or else they're like ready to rob somebody yeah it just, it's just a whole weird thing first of all doc i'm glad you're on the phone and i'm glad that they called it covid 19 instead of covid 16 because <laughs> if it was covid 16 r kelly would have been the first one with it He's the only person in the whole quarantine. He was like, where they at? They over there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's inappropriate. I, I've been no, laughing too long. Did I go too far? Did no, no, no. As long as, you don't, as long as you don't curse, we're, we're good. Oh, no. Never that. I never curse. But, yeah, it's just people look crazy over here. I just want to tell you, they just, it's just a whole pandemic. And then, you know, I live, and I want to ask Dr. Question, because I live in the apartment because I'm not successful yet. So it's just all of us <laughs> locked in the same area. And I'm like, huh. Uh, if one person got it, we got it in this building, this whole building got it. And I live next to so many different ethnicities, and I've just never been home enough to realize my neighbors suck. I just want to say that because <laughs> I got all types of different neighbors. I hear different, I hear Spanish arguments all day long. I had a Spanish neighbor, him and his wife. Like, no, I don't have the corona. I don't need the corona. I, I drink honey <laughs> in my whole life. I never drink corona. We're not, we're fine. Then I got African neighbors, and I, I love African people, but when they cook, that food smells like somebody is cooking a, a pamper or a diaper in the hallway. I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> it's good to taste, but man, that's you taste it. You should taste it. He said it's good to taste. It's a process that's a little uh, a little bit tough to taste. Oh, so he's Af I didn't know you were African, Doc. <laughs> oh, man, whatever that smell is. I don't know what the season is. And, and I cook, it is a and, and, I, I, and I cook too. So I, I cook too. So just put on your mask while you eat. Maybe eat it with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> I said 
got a knock on the door. I told him, I was like, man, can you please breathe or lie? I just walked by and life on the bottom of the door because I was like, whatever it is. It's <laughs> you know what? Fine. I did that. I, I did that. Are you sure you're not my neighbor? Like in one of the buildings in my complex? Because <laughs> you know it's a lot like, of times, I walk out times, with all different kinds of food, like all different kinds no, of food. But a lot of times the smell is from, uh, from, from dried crayfish. A crawfish, if you, if you dry it up, it really stinks when you, when you do it, right? So I don't use it in food anymore because of that. Yes, if you cook for me, then it's. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's crawfish. It's like, so it's like fish that has been dried out for a long period of time. So it's like smelly fish. I, I sprayed, I sprayed, uh, two confessions here. I sprayed Lysol in the hallway I was under here. the door. The African showed up, the, at least I thought he sprayed. <laughs> and then sprayed I, put Lysol. The, I put the. <laughs> I spray the Lysol and then rip, I put the bubble wrap that, that stuff comes in from Amazon, that big bubble wrap. I put the bubble wrap seal and taped it on the bottom of the door on the inside. How about that? Okay, so see you. Okay, I just want to make sure it wasn't me. And I'm glad it's you not just you. I, I knocked on that door. And when you go out, <laughs> I, the door, I, was like, you? I spray. I have the can of, I have a can of Lysol as I walk down the steps. I have a paper towel because I, ha I hate wearing the gloves. But until I have to put them on outside, I have a paper towel that I use to open the doorknob. I don't touch the railing on the staircase because we don't have an elevator in my building. And then I um, and, and I'm spraying my way the whole way down because there's one apartment. I swear there's been a dead body in there for a long, long time when it was a stash house. And it's just like, you know, wow. but, you know, comedy is very important, especially at this particular moment. Right. People are working around very tense. Yes. Right. Uh, I tried going hiking uh, like last week in upstate and I'll tell you. When I'm walking down the trail and people see people run into the bushes and stuff, right? People are terrified of each other, <laughs> right? They see, see people, right? So people are scared. Rip, what is yeah, this? People are scared. Look at Lisa. Look what Lisa's going through. She got a whole regiment. Lisa, you better off just give yourself a wheelchair and ask the people to pull the door for you. But like, can you grab that for me? She got a mask. Lisa got a mask. And get a mask and a I got, I got the mask. And, and you know me, I go, I'll go anywhere. I don't, I'm like, okay, we're cool. I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. You know, everybody, everything's chill. Not worried about it. But this, you no, know, you got to do your precautions because it's like, you know, we got to, got to set the example too. You know, we got, we got to show people what's going on. But I, I'm just wondering, you know, Rip, this has been really tough on the ladies because the the nail salons are closed, the hair salons are closed, the barbershop. Well, for the guys, the barbershops are closed. You seen any changes like that? Yeah, I've, actually, that's so funny. I uh, was talking to uh, a girl yesterday, and she was like, I, I'm so mad that I can't get my na nails and hair done. I can't believe it. When is the government open up? I was like, don't even worry about getting your hair and nails done. You're going to get your hair and nails done as soon as you get to the funeral home. They're going to do them. You're going to give them great. <laughs> You're not even going to recognize yourself when you get in there. I was like, you worried about, people worry about their hair and nails. Uh, during the crisis, I just it lets you know that they don't see the gravity of how serious it actually is. Because I mean, that's what a weird thing to be worried about right now. There's nowhere to go. You're gonna dress up and just play with your kids. You're like, how, how does mommy's nails look in the living room? What, what are you gonna do? I, I have no idea. Selfies. I'm just, it's just. Uh, I heard the number of selfies on Instagram went down. The the, the number of selfies going. Well, there, there's no filter. There's no filter for a bad manicure. I'm telling you right now. I did I did I did mine at my kitchen table last night. I think they look pretty. They're pretty short and they look. I feel like I'm ready to fight. I feel like I like I'm going to be in a martial arts tournament here. I can make a good fist and not claw myself. But but Rip, what about the um? What about this whole kind of? Do you think that? This whole shutdown has affected your whole concept of Clatchit, which I think you need to explain to Dr. Manny here. Cause he, he, he... <laughs> so Dr. Manny, cause doc, I didn't even know doc, the doctor was African, but Dr. Manny, I will explain it to you in your, like, your, your, your accent. Like, what is going on? A lot of people now, when you are Clatchit, <laughs> you are racist. 
Well, you are classy, but you have ratchet tendencies, and you want to do things that are making you want to stay ratchet, but you want to be classy. Like having Hennessy out of a kids' cup, that is classy. So I feel like everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Doc. Is that, I'm sorry. Is that bad? No, <laughs> I have no, a lot no, of African He's laughing. He's laughing. His no, it, it, it is hilarious. That's the beauty of um, of different of places like New York. We have different cultures, right? Absolutely. That's the beauty of... He's, of, a, he's an equal opportunity offender. It, no, it, it is. No, there is, a, there, there is a, a big difference in things, right? I make jokes uh, you know, to Lisa and everyone. I mean, that's, that, that's the beauty of it, of having uh, respectful jokes with people and to be among people. No, and we, yeah. we, have, we have to have some laughs because, uh, you know... Just hearing that the lockdown was going on for another month, everyone was kind of going, "Okay, April fifteenth, we're get, we're, you know, things are things are changing, numbers are going down," and th- and then to hear that it's, you know, it's happening, that that's that's a rough one. But um, Rip, listen, any wh- where can people find you? Are, you? are you doing another one of your Instagram? Listen, can I just say one thing to you? I, I saw I saw your your post from last night because I, I had to comment on it to promote you being on the show, and um, <laughs> you know, every, everyone was making comments like. Was that your body? And the, like, I I think if you that his body, he's all buff. He looks like he's been on the Fit King Plum uh, workout routine, like nonstop. You know, unless it's moving furniture up and down or out out your building or whatever. But um, I think if you keep the mask, on, you know, I think if you keep the mask on and the tight T-shirt, you might end up on hashtag Damn He Fine one of these days. Oh. <laughs> look at Lisa ever snapping on me. I knew that was coming. I knew she had that. At Lisa is hilarious. I knew that was in the bag. I knew that was coming. When I saw your comment, I was like, Lisa's going to get me tomorrow. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> no, you look I'm very healthy. You, you, you're very healthy. Are you doing a, Are you doing like a new routine, like a new like diet, like a COVID pre- uh, prevention diet? You know, like something like that? <laughs> The COVID no, I've just been taking a, uh, doing push-ups and taking a whole bunch of Flintstone chewables, and it's been working for me. No, actually, like, since all the restaurants is closed, there's nothing for me to eat anymore. Like, all my Twitter friends used to be Burger King and uh, Taco Bell and everybody. Those are, my, those are my Facebook and Twitter friends, so everything is closed. So, actually, I've been losing weight uh, tremendously um, by sitting in the house and doing nothing all day. So, actually, I, it, was, it wasn't even by... Uh, we working out or trying to stay healthy. It was just by accident and by osmosis because all the checks stopped coming in. So I've just been surviving off <laughs> whatever's in the shelf. And, and, the, and, and the crown, in. and the crown fried, no crown fried chicken, three pieces. There ain't no crown fried chicken. There's no more sandwiches from the deli. There's no more chopped cheese. Because I don't live in Lisa's neighborhood. Lisa, I mean, with all the stuff you got going on in your neighborhood, it's not like you still live in the Bronx. You got people. You got I'm, in, you I'm got in Manhattan. We got all kind of stuff going on. <laughs> You but got yeah, working I, I mean, people. Thank you for that. But yeah, I just been doing nothing. I actually been doing nothing. But uh, I am definitely gonna try to stay healthy, Doc, because I know that a lot of people say that you know, uh, I guess running and jogging can be healthy. I've been looking at stuff and trying to figure out what I can do to prevent it. I've been giving my daughter um, vitamin C, and I, I started, somebody else told me zinc and iron was good. And then sometimes when my daughter sleep, uh, I really because we, we we play together all day because I'm a single dad. Sometimes when she sleep, I take the pillow. And I put it over her head. And I try to suffocate it because she is annoying the hell out of me. <laughs> um, but then I pull it off when she, and let it start breathing again because I just want to exercise her lungs because I know it can. <laughs> it's expanding her lung. <laughs> you are too much. Like, that is not, no, but, but, not, but, but this is, is very important about staying healthy. I know going to jail, people come out with six packs and big muscles too, right? right? So quarantine, so make it useful and effective to <laughs> do push ups. Exactly. We're all like on, we're, we're like on lockdown. That's correct, but, but that's, yeah, that's great. I, I have people from prison calling me, actually, and say, how's it going? How many more months you got? I was like, Cuomo said I get out in three more weeks. So, I don't <laughs> uh, Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like an inmate. I start, I think I'm going to start calling people collect in other states. Like, you have a collect call from a New York Correctional Corona Institute inmate by the name of Rick Michaels. <laughs> well, will you accept these charges? Will <laughs> you <laughs> accept these charges? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I've been really definitely um, uh, trying to stay, um, you know, healthy and, and doing what I can to do my part to prevent spreading it as well. And I thank Lisa and I thank both of y'all for this informative thing because I was listening the whole entire time. And I actually learned a lot. Um, from what's going on, a lot of things I didn't know, like the now it's 13 feet, now it can be in your shoes. And I know that, you, that, you know, probably it doesn't affect you, Doc, because you're African, you don't wear shoes anyway. But what I was wanted to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a good one. No, he's, got, he's, he's got sneakers on. <laughs> For sure. He's got sneakers. Put your, put on the ground. When I go outside, I take it off. He's got quite a sneaker game, let me tell you. <laughs> Well, I know if that's the case, Jamaicans have the worst feet in the world, so I know they'd be like, don't look loud. That's not going through my skin. I'm out Buffalo, so that's I'm risking my foot. And it's not feet. They can have two of them, but it's foot. All right, Rip, we got to get, we, we gotta get right, moving. I'll let y'all go, man. Stay L- safe. Listen, you stay safe. Thank you very much for uh, for, for making us laugh because it's been a lot of heavy news uh last couple of weeks especially, and uh, we, we oh, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. And don't forget, I'm doing another comedy show in another week. I'm going to continue to make laughter. I got the, the comic roast battle where I'm going to take all my friends, me, Michael Blackston. I'm going at it next week. Uh, with uh, If you send the one with Dion Cole, I do these comedy roast battles. I'm going to keep providing entertainment and do my part. I know I'm not a first responder, but I would definitely know at times like this to try to continue to make people laugh. And I'm engaging all my friends and just trying to keep people entertained the entire time. You're definitely a first responder, right? Because people need the support right here, right? At this point. Exactly. So, yeah, so please, that um, shows you how bad off we are with the yeah, first I responder. I could imagine you <laughs> and, and, and Michael Blackstone. I just gotta make, I gotta make you laugh. Rip's done the show. I could be, like most of the time when he does this, when he's done Street Soldiers, I could barely even talk after I was laughing so hard. <laughs> My mascara's running down. I'm looking like a friggin'. Anyway, um, Rip, thank you very much for being with us. Okay, to, and best to you and your daughter to stay healthy and keep making us laugh. And you can check him out on Instagram at Rip. R.I.P. Michaels, M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S. And uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. All right, bye, y'all. Thanks. All right, babe. Take care. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Oh, that was fun, right? We need a little... All right, let's just take a little... One more little question here. I got got time for a real quick one. Okay, real quick question. Dennis, hi, you're on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers and Dr. Manny. Go right ahead. Hey, Dennis? Okay, I think we okay we didn't we get get that okay. So doc, Dr. Manny, in terms of we just have about a, a minute left here, and I want to thank everybody here for Hot Ninety Seven. So, as people, what should people be paying attention to? Well, first of all, you should be joining us tomorrow morning at seven a.m. because we got we got quite a show uh, for you tomorrow at seven a.m. here on Hot Ninety Seven, and we're going to be taking your questions and calls. Uh, we got a lot of great guests lined up for you, but what should people be be really paying attention to and focused on right now? You should pay attention to um, uh, the infection rates and the new cases, the number of deaths, uh, which is a positive, right? So we are way better off than we were a couple of weeks ago. So the numbers are uh, are flattening out and decreasing. So that's a good sign that we could get back to normal pretty soon. Um, We should look out for the new testing uh, that is coming to the market. So keep an eye out uh, to see uh, next week, I mean, tomorrow, maybe tomorrow something comes up today. We could discuss tomorrow as well. But keep an eye out uh, for that. And then realize that yes, we are working on on this together, right? Uh, if you if you wash your hands, um, 
keep safe and put on your face mask and follow the rules that will have less infection rates. And the faster we do that, the faster we'll get back to normal. All right, there it is. We just got to we got to tell the line: New, New York tough, New York strong, and uh, we just got to keep doing what we're doing because we did flatten that infection rate. We did, and honestly, we did it a lot faster and a lot a lot faster than they thought. And so, the, the numbers yeah. started to go down. At, at They didn't reach the highest, highest numbers that they thought. Correct. So kudos to everyone for, for listening and going through with this, right? And we've we'll all been going through this together. Everyone is sacrificing uh, during this time. So let's just keep doing that. And uh, after that, we could have uh, all the big parties. Exactly. All right. That sounds good. Um, I, w- I want to, Dr. Manny, thank you so much for being with us and, and taking all those calls and questions. And uh, Drewski, thank you so much for coming in early, extra early, get us up on the air here. I want to thank our whole Hot 97 executive team, Pat Walsh, Pio Ferro, Titi Torres, Patricia Robinson, Mike Fox, my whole team, Lisa, right here on deck, Anaya producing, Marilyn on the phones, and also the Hot 97 digital department. We've been working very closely to get a lot of information. So big shout out to Luis Mercado, the editorial director for digital and Rasan Brascombe, who gets us those great, great uh, Zoom casts of the show, of tomorrow's show, uh, which are up on the Hot 97 YouTube page. So you should definitely check that out. And for people who missed the show, we, we post it also on Street Soldiers at Lisa Evers, and uh, th- that way you can send it to other people. But I want to thank everybody for joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Got some surprises for you for sure. And uh, lots more information. And we're just all in this together. That's the whole point is we just want everybody to know that you are not alone. We're staying home but you're not alone, okay? And use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and health for everyone.